0: Welcome to the weekly podcast for City Chapel at Slaughter Creek, the world's okayest church, right here in Austin. Get to know us better at citychapelchurch.com. We're so glad that you joined us today and hope you enjoy the message. Uh, We're stepping into a four-week series that's a part of this series that's really all about the five levels of change. The five levels of change. And so just to start this off, I want to I read a scripture to you uh, that we're going to be focused on here for a few weeks. And it's found in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 um, through 21. If you have a Bible, uh, you can turn to it. If not, we have a giant Bible right up here on the screen. Uh, Paul is writing this scripture. and He says, I have been. That's past tense. Uh, sometime in the past, he said, I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live. In other words, something happened in Paul's life that was so radical, that was so life-altering and life-changing that he said, I no longer live. That the old Paul, the person that he used to refer to as himself, was so radically changed. That, man, you can experience freedom. God can do a work in your heart, in your life that you can look back and say, I no longer live. The me that was me is no longer me. There's a different me now. And if you met me now you, and you knew me before, you wouldn't think these are the same people because that person died. I was crucified. That person was crucified with Christ. And I'm going to get into that next week. That's a really important aspect of it. But he says, uh, that person was crucified with Christ and I no longer live. But now Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in this body, I live by faith. Somebody say by faith. It's so important. By faith. I live by faith. Paul said in another passage, he said, the just or the righteous shall live by faith. They live out their righteousness. They live out their their good works. They live out their life, not by their own power, but by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You never get beyond the love of God. No matter how deep and how free and how wide and all, you never get beyond the simple love of God, that God loved me and gave himself for me. He says, I do not set, this is verse 21, I do not set aside the grace of God. That's important. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. Now, when he says the law, he's not talking about a legal code that we think of as law. It's not a speeding ticket. He means the religious law, he means the Old Testament, he means the, the rules and the regulations, the expectations of God. The Ten Commandments, for instance Thou shalt not, uh, all the thou shalt nots, and all the thou shalt always. He says, if, if doing those things and if not doing those things, if I could have ach- achieved righteousness or a right relationship with God by doing certain things and not doing other things, then Christ would have died for nothing. So he says, I'm not going to set aside. So whenever you focus, on, whenever you don't define freedom correctly, what happens is you end up setting aside the grace of God. Now the grace of God is not the same as the mercy of God. there's two different words because they're two different things. <laughs> whoa brilliant mind blown uh, The mercy of God is when God withholds judgment that you deserve. It says graciousness toward us, but the grace of God is the power that God gives for us to live according to his will according to what he has told us. Uh, Paul talks about this in another passage where he, where he kept asking God to take something from him that it was making his life difficult. And Jesus said to him, he said, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. In other words, my grace is power. My grace that I'm giving you is the power to walk through this situation, to deal with it. Whatever situation you're going through right now, God has enough grace for your situation. God has enough power for you right where you're at. He says, I'm not going to set aside the grace of God. I'm not going to try to do this on my own. I'm not going to try to get free through my own power. I am tapping into the power of God through an identity shift. We're going to get into that in a couple of weeks. An identity shift of who I am. That I, am no, long, I no longer live. I have been crucified. There is a point in time in which in which the Harry that, that was born to my mom and dad, the Harry that they raised, the Harry that they knew, there, that Harry died. And a new Harry was born, a new Rowena was born, a new you came forth out of that. And that person doesn't live in the, by the same uh, parameters and the same level of that the old person lived at that that person is living by faith the previous person was striving this person is resting and there's there's I'm telling you that is available to you to 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 move from a life of striving to a life of resting and I love how even just as I'm saying these words I see some heads nodding I see some smiles I hear I hear some people saying yes I hear some. I see some response now. If you would have been up here on this on 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 this little stage three weeks ago, when I first introduced the idea of freedom, and I was preaching actually really good, I thought, and and I said, Ricky was there. You remember? And, and I said and I said I said I believe each one of you can be free. And then your faces were like. It was like. It was like I was like I said we're all gonna go to the moon next week, it's gonna be awesome. We're gonna we're gonna land on the moon. We're gonna hang out with the with the aliens, and then we'll go to Mars after. That. You guys were like, eh, I don't I don't know I don't know if I received that. I don't know if I believe that. I'm not sure that Pastor Harry is you know if I, he's kind of he's he's getting into heresy a little bit. I, I think he's like preaching something weird. I don't know what's going on. You know it was kind of like this apprehension. That said, I don't really know if that's for me. It's probably for other people. But now just in the past couple weeks, through these small groups, through the word that God's been revealing, I feel like God's raising up some hope inside of some people that say, maybe, just maybe, it is for me. Maybe the power of God is able to do above and beyond what I have yet experienced. And so man that, that's encouraging to me as a pastor just as I'm up here it's like wow okay we're we're moving a little bit we're moving a little bit and really if you just move a little bit i mean if you move a, if if Febu- freedom february moves you just a little bit It'll it'll be worth it. All the blood, sweat, and tears, and and sore throat from preaching. It'll be worth it, just just a little bit if you can just move. And so and so, what I want to do is I want to show um, uh, uh, some levels of change. Okay, so over the, uh, this week and next week, both in in our preaching and in our small groups, we're going to be talking about levels of change. And um, I'm going to represent that um, via a pyramid because well, the Illuminati is everywhere. Um, and so. <laughs> <laughs> this, uh, Christianity is like a pyramid scheme, basically. Uh, no, just kidding. Um, you know, you, you sell CBD oil down here, and then you get people... My bad, my bad. Okay, I was stepping on too many toes. Um, <laughs> uh, okay, so anyway, the pyramid is representative of the levels of change. I've actually chosen a pyramid... <laughs> I just go home and laugh at myself sometimes. I just say, uh, did, that, did that come out or was it just in my head? No, it came out. I, the recording Oh, it was fun. Um, I chose a pyramid for, for a couple of reasons. Because when I say levels of change, um, I, I don't mean like steps. Okay, because like, cause if, cause if you Google levels and you're looking for images to illustrate levels, um, there's a lot of different things, right? There's graphs, there's bars, there's, and there's steps. And I think oftentimes we generally think of Christianity in terms of steps, that um, there are levels... And you take, you, you, it's, it's almost like Super Mario Brothers. Has anybody ever played Super Mario Brothers when they were a kid? Or any video game for that matter? Um, there are levels in a video game, right? And, and if, you, if you learn what you're supposed to learn, and you jump when you're supposed to jump, and you duck when you're supposed to duck, and you shoot when you're supposed to shoot, whatever game you're playing, you get to the next level. And there's a spot nowadays it, uh, when, when Micah's playing, it says, saving progress. You guys know the saving progress shows up on the screen. That's awesome. That means that if you die, you don't have to go back to the very beginning. You go back to where the progress was last saved because you, you passed a level. Like you got through what you're supposed to get through. You learned what you're supposed to learn. You killed the guys you're supposed to kill, whatever it was. Uh, now you're in the next level. And, 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 and sometimes, church, they, we explain Christianity very similar to that. It's almost like there's these levels. Like if you, if, you, if you pass that level, then you don't have to go back to it again. So, what, so, so you need to work really hard right now so that you can take a step up and then you, you, you move forward. Now, there's, it's kind of confusing because there's a lot of like, ways to move to the next level. Sometimes just simply being a Christian for X amount of years takes you to another level. You know, it's like, it's like you get bonus points for, for sticking around. <laughs> And, and and God just kind of winks and nods at a couple of things because you've been around for a while, and so you get some extra coins, you know, from a Super Mario Brothers standpoint, you know. It's like bonus lives. It's like you, you get a little extra that other people don't have. They're new, they don't really know what they're doing, so they're down at the lower level, you're up here, and so you know, you're at this other and so, but what happens is in this religious setting, then 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 you believe that you're you're entitled to certain benefits with each level. And so you go to these different levels, and then down here, Well, yeah, you're not allowed to serve anywhere because, well, you're still at this level. But then when you step up to this level, then you can then you can be a greeter. Then you could be an usher. When you get to this level, then you can be a worship leader. And when you get this level, you start preaching. And when you get to that. Well, what happens is when you have a Christianity mindset of levels like that. You start realizing that after a while, some of the things you thought you had defeated and conquered. Kind of come back, but you're already past that level. You're past that level. And so you can't tell anybody that that stuff's coming back because you're in you're not at that level. You're 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 now leading worship. You're now preaching. Maybe I'm just preaching myself. You're now doing the things that, that, that ought to be at this level. You've been saved for like, you know, a thousand years and and you shouldn't be struggling at this level because you should have already conquered that level. And, it, and, and because we have this linear idea of levels. We don't know what to do with failure. We don't know what to do with struggle. We don't know what to do with temptation. We don't know what to do with life. And it ends up, you you, you start feeling the pressure. First, you like the entitlement, but then you feel the pressure of having to maintain the appearance of a particular level. And that God never intended for you to do. That is not freedom. That's not what I mean by freedom. I don't mean conquer this thing so you can step up to the next level. Uh, because if you conquer it, as Paul said, then you're setting aside the grace of God. You're setting aside the power of God. You're attaining righteousness through these successive levels of learning and better behavior. And you're what and and, and you're not really moving forward. You're just you're just you're just getting better at looking the part. What I want for each and every one of us is that we would actually be free, that we would fully be free. And so I want to explain levels of Christianity or levels of change um, in this paradigm because a couple of things. One, we're not moving anywhere um, except we are understanding that something down here is uh, in our life, but something here actually reigns and rules over something down here so we don't leave behind a level we grow above a level does that make sense and so we're we're, we're going to be talking about this actually um uh, bob in his video this week is going to be talking about this very thing he doesn't do a pyramid because He's gateway, and they're a lot more politically correct. Um, but he he does he does like this little this little circles thing, and it's cool. Uh, but but he's going to explain a little bit. Um, but I want to explain just just from my heart what I see for us in these levels of change. And there's different levels of change that are and they're all good. They're all necessary to happen. Um, but I, but I want to talk about how we change these things. And so the lowest level, the easiest level to change, and the, the one at the very bottom is the level of environment. And so you and I uh, have an environment that we live in. We, 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 we have a family that we are a part of. We have a country that we're in. We have a, a, a city, a state. We have an environment. We have a workplace that we go to. Um, we, we have a church that we attend. We have perhaps a, hopefully a small group that we're a part of. We, we, we have a, a, a particular environment and this particular environment um is not always perfect okay so so what happens is we have to change it uh have you ever like woken up and realized that you don't like the job that you're in (laughs) all right jason come on somebody you need to need that's all right we can talk after we can talk after jason actually you came from work this morning right they didn't need you. Uh, many Sundays he works all night long, and he he gets here at 8 a.m. and plays drums, but he, with like no sleep overnight, like because he's been working. And so you know, so if he looks a little sleepy, that's 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 why. And and, and it's and sometimes so, sometimes you're in a job that you don't like and, and you want to change it. Um, sometimes sometimes you're in a church you don't like and you want to change it, and that that's fine. Uh, the, if, if you don't like it, you should change it. I mean, don't, don't stick around where you're going to be grumpy and, and, and make everybody, you know, grumpy. This isn't good. Uh, we, 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 we do live in different environments, but these are all things that are outside of you. These are the easiest things to change. Um, these are the things that, 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 that are so easy because they're outside of us, but the, the problem is we often feel like this level, right, is, is the prime, it's the primary um, impetus for change. I feel like when, when this level starts getting bad enough, people start moving. Uh, as long as this level's relatively comfortable, people just kind of hang out in life. But when this level starts getting rough, when the when it, when the bills start getting uh, big or when it starts creating stress in your life when this level gets difficult that's where we start saying man something's got to give something's got to change i need i need to make a move and so and so what what we do is we we often want to change this level Okay, and so uh, if, if, if we don't like the church we're in, we'll leave that church and we'll go to another church. Uh, if we don't like the city we're in, we'll, we'll leave that city, we'll go to another city. If we don't like the marriage we're in, come on somebody. This is A lot of people leave the marriage they're in because they don't like it. Because they, cause, cause they obviously married the wrong person. Because the environment, because this right here needs to change. So I need to change this. And this is the easiest to change. Yeah. It's you, just, you, just, you, you just file for divorce. You just pack up and move. You just quit your job. You, you can change this level. And so what happens is people start realizing they don't like their environment. They don't like what's going on. And so they start changing things. And that works for a while. You move to a new city. You buy a new car. You have a new family and things are kind of, wow, this is so much better than it ever was. It's great. The new car smell is there. But what happens is oftentimes, and sometimes the environment needs to change. Sometimes you need to quit hanging out with particular people. They're unhealthy. It's not good for you. You need to unfollow some people on Facebook, right? It's not the end of the world. Like you just, there's some stuff you don't need to be reading every day. There's some, there's some pictures I don't need to be seen on my Facebook feed, so there's some girls I unfollow because I don't need to be seeing all that. And it's just some, stu- some environments are just not good. So you, you, it's, it's okay to change your environment. But unfortunately, as you're changing environments, what you often find out is there's a certain level at which changing the environment actually doesn't help. So you change churches, and you leave City Chapel because there's too much drama here. And then, and then you go, you find a church that has no drama. And it's amazing. No drama whatsoever. No, the, this, is, this, is true, this is a true, this is a true life scenario. I'm preaching from real life, people. I'm not making this stuff up. And then six months later, you realize, oh my goodness, there's drama in this church too. I can't believe that these people. And so you leave that church. And then you go to another church where there's no drama. It's great. And then you're there for like a year. And then there's drama there again. And, and, and it, the, the same things keep reoccurring because no matter where you go, there you are. You are. That's right. <laughs> I don't know who said that, but that's brilliant. That's deep. That's deep right there. That's deep. No matter where you go, there you are. And so we find that no matter how often we change jobs or change churches or change marriages, that there is something else sometimes that has dominion over this level. There's something above it. I was going to say behind it, but there's something, according to my graph, above it. And that would be the next level of change. This is the level of behaviors, uh, behaviors, thoughts, and feelings. This is because... When, when you're really young, right, like my kid's age, Madden's 10 years old, she, she, she believes that everything has to do with this, that if she could just change this, right, everything, would if she, you know, if, if they could just, right now they really want money, if they could just get money, everything that's wrong with their environment would be right, right, some of you are like, What's wrong with that? I thought that's what I need. It's my new life plan. But you, you live a little while. You try a few things, and you figure out there's some things in your environment that just aren't changing. Sometimes it's just the mic. I don't know. But you realize that actually your behaviors, your thoughts and your feelings are affecting your environment. In fact... Your behaviors are helping to create Hello. your environment. It's, it's not, this, is what's, this is what's funny though, like, um, with regard to parenting, you know we have, we have two wonderful children. Madden is 10, Micah is seven and a half, and um, they're awesome. They're well-behaved, they're respectful, they're helpful kids, um, lovely kids. And so we'll have people from time to time say, "Oh, you know your kids are so lovely, like you're so lucky lucky like 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 kids are a lottery like you just like we just went to the hospital and took a number and it's like oh we got a good one (laughs) honey look at it we got a good one a well-behaved one that's awesome uh, it's, 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 it's interesting, though, because whenever people say that, they're, they are saying that they haven't moved beyond this level, that they're still looking for that right environment, that if you just have the right kids with the right temperament, then they are great kids if you just marry the right person. Right. And, and, and I mean, I like Ben uh, Ben Folds, the luckiest. Uh, I played that song for Ro when, when when I proposed to her, it's real. It's romantic to say, honey, I'm so lucky to have you like I get it. But the truth is to have a great marriage is not about being lucky. It's about not killing each other <laughs> for successive amounts of time. <laughs> It's 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 about changing who you are naturally to accommodate and to love another person. It's it's about constant repentance and and forgiveness and confession. It's not it's not luck. It's not it's not a lot it's not a lottery. You could marry Jesus, but if you still act like the devil did you, 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 you see how those two got along in the desert? it was't it wasn't good they weren't buddy buddy you know <laughs> like if your behaviors are affecting your home. your behaviors are affecting your job. your behaviors are affecting your church. Your attitudes, your thoughts, your feelings, your behaviors are affecting your environment. And I was was talking to somebody about this just recently about about parenting because because the truth is sometimes your kids, sometimes your kids are a bit of a, a reflection. You know, like you can get mad at the kids for saying, for talking to each other the way they're talking to each other. But sometimes they're talking to each other the way they're talking to each other because you're talking to them the way you're talking to them. And so they're just talking to each other the way that you're talking to them. It's a, it's a reflection of the environment you're creating. But it is also true that sometimes kids' behaviors, thoughts and feelings affect the environment. But sometimes your home is stressful because your children are out of control, because nobody is drawing boundaries for them and they are contributing to the chaos. Oh, it got real quiet. We love to blame ourselves. We love to blame ourselves or our spouses. We love to blame the adults in the room, but sometimes, man, the kids are c- contributing to the chaos in the home because they're running around like crazy. You can't have a home of peace when kids are screaming all the time. Yeah, right. Slamming doors, yeah. yelling at you, complaining about dinner, blah, blah, all this stuff. They're like, 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 like this. this is what I tell my kids. You guys are a part of this thing. Yeah. And if you don't like this thing, you might want to change what you're doing because you're contributing to the chaos of this this home. Children are contributing to it. Teenagers, you're contributing to it. You don't like your parents, you're contributing to the home. Your behaviors, your thoughts, and your feelings are affecting your environment. You can keep changing your environment all that you want, but if you don't learn to change your behavior, thoughts, and feelings, you're going to keep coming across the same thing. But this is, this is the deal, though. Oftentimes in church, this is, this is where we live, right? A, a lot of our counseling, a lot of our meeting with people, they're complaining about this, and we're talking to them about this. Because this will help change this. It really will. Uh, there's a, a, a pretty popular um, psychology line of thinking right now. It's called cognitive uh, behavioral therapy. You, you think differently. And so then you act differently, and it affects your environment. And there's some truth to that. There's you can really learn a number of things. <laughs> I am suddenly rather blue, or than I was before. <laughs> you can learn some things by by changing behavior. So so really you can start. And th- th- these are the le- this is what I mean by the levels of change. Not that we get beyond certain things, but that we get deeper into the particular things that we are dealing with, that we realize that over our environment, there is something that has control that is influencing it. But oftentimes in church, this is where we stop. And most sermon series, most preaching, most teaching, most counseling hovers around how to change your behavior, how to change your thinking, and how to change your feeling how to think better, to feel better, and how to do better. And it's uh, the reason why, though, just, just to, to, to defend us preachers a little bit, the reason why we often structure our sermon series around those things is because those are the very things that you, the questions that you're asking. Those are the things that you are wanting to solve. Because after a while, you start changing behaviors, thoughts, and feelings. You start seeing a change in your environment. You're like, this is awesome. And it is, but after a while you realize that there are some behaviors that are a little bit more stubborn. We call those addictions. Yeah. They're a little bit more like they're not, they didn't change. Like I thought I changed it, but then next week I didn't change it. And this is something that Bob talks about in the video that um, I, I'll steal from the video uh, for this week. Is he, he says the kingdom of heaven is like potty training. Uh, the, it's like potty training because... Uh, anybody that's had young kids, you you know, you know what it's like. Well, for instance, uh, during our small group this week, um, uh, we had uh, a bunch of folks out at Romeo and Jackie's house, and um, we had a couple of kids—my two kids—and then Isabel, uh, uh, Jonathan, and Danielle's little little girl. And uh, so just just three kids. So they were they were out um, back uh, in in this back room, and they were watching a video. And so I would go back and check on them occasionally. Danielle would go check on them occasionally. They were fine. They were doing good. We, n- nobody screamed, so we figured things were good. Uh, that's <laughs> that's how that's how after you've had more than one, that's that's kind of that's, that's the, the barometer barometer for how things are going. And so everything like nobody was hurt. It was fine. Well well it's finally over. And I walk back there, and I I the door was already open a little bit. I just pushed it open a little more. And suddenly I was assaulted, not like physically, but smellily. My my nasal passages were assaulted <laughs> in a smell that I had not smelled in a while. A presence I have not felt since Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> uh, classic Star Wars reference. Uh, I just, you know, I was like. <laughs> whoa. And so I'm like, man, and Micah, it stinks in here. And they're like, yeah, it smells a little funny. And so it's amazing how you can get used to a bad environment. It's amazing. Oh, that'll preach. It's amazing how you can get used to it. Just ignore it. After a while, it'll go away. And uh, so I walk out and I'm like, uh, Jonathan, because because you because if you're a real man, you're going to change the poopy diapers. You know what I'm saying? You're not going to leave that to your wife. Oh, okay, quiet again. Okay, I see where we gotta preach. I see where we gotta preach on this one. So I said, Jonathan, dude, you got a you got a messy diaper back here, man. You got a messy diaper, and he's like, okay, I got. It. So he goes back, you know, he changes the diaper, and uh, you know, I mean, if you've if you've had children, you know, this is not fun. And for about two to seven years, you you deal with this. Uh, I mean, every few hours, you know, the the the, the kid is is uh, putting stuff into the diaper, you're laying them down, you're cleaning it all up, and then you're folding up the diaper, you're tr- chucking it in the trash. I even, I, like, I, like Matt, uh, uh, Madden and Micah, like, like when, we, when, we, when they were little, I, I used to say, I don't understand why we're giving them baths, because every three hours we're literally, like we're giving them like a bath, like with the wet wipes, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, by the way, thank God for whoever invented wet wipes. They, I hope they're millionaires, they deserve to be. Those things are awesome. Uh, but, you know, I mean, we're, we're, we're basically, they're getting a bath every three hours, cleaning them up. And then and then it, it smells better in your house. You chuck it in the trash. It smells better. The environment starts changing, right? And so your environment, you change a little bit of behavior. You clean up some stuff. Man, it smells better in here. Okay. Whew, spray, spray a little Febreze around, and, and, and you're good to go. But then a few hours later, the diaper that you just changed, the kid that was just clean... They're not clean anymore. They, they, they. You know, for some reason, they think they have to keep eating, and so they keep eating, and they keep putting stuff into their diaper, and so you keep smelling it, and you keep going, oh, it's got to change it, and so the kingdom of heaven is like potty training because there is a level. There's a there, there's a level of 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 life where where we are constantly changing. Diapers, constantly changing, environment, constantly changing, but nothing really changes. Constantly changing, but everything stays the same. Not the same in terms of constant messy diaper, but the same in terms of every few hours, every, or in our case, every few days or every few weeks. There's, there's, you know, we, 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 we make a mess and we come to God, he cleans us up. We make a mess, we come to God, He cleans us up, we make a mess, we come to God, He cleans us up. and it is true that that Jesus will clean you up. It's absolutely true and one of the worst things you can do when you're in that when you're at that level, one of the worst things you can do is 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 stay away from Jesus because you don't want other people to smell your stuff. <laughs> And so some, but that's what happens. People, that's what happens. I see all the time people will stay away from church. Well, why are you staying away from church? Oh, because I've been doing this and that and the other. Well, that's the time when you need to be around Jesus. You need to be in church. You need to hear about the love and the mercy of God who will take you just as you are, will clean you up, will send you on your way. But if that's all that you ever learned, if that's all you ever know about Jesus you're missing you're missing the real reason why he came. He didn't just come for you to do better for a little bit and then it changes your environment and then you do bad and that affects your environment and then you do better and then you do bad it's not this this he it's not this constant uh, up and down rise and fall, but by the way, if that is where you're at you 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 must you must live there for a while. If you have a one-year-old, you must live there for a while. One of the things that uh, was so helpful for us in potty training, and this might even help you, um, my mom really forced me to potty train before I was ready. So sorry, mom, I hate to to rat you out on this. But my brother was coming along, and she said, I don't want two kids and two sets of diapers. So Harry is going to learn how to use the potty, darn it. And uh, uh, because I don't want, you know, and, and, and Harry's old enough, you know, because she decided I was old enough. And so I remember, I, I remember at two and a half years old, I remember being potty trained. I remember that whenever I went number one in the potty, I got M&Ms. And whenever I went number two, I got like a little Snickers. I thought I always thought that was ironic, but I remember that. I remember that. It was like (laughs) potty training sermon jokes, man. It's good, good, good times. I remember that because, but that's what you have to do when somebody's not ready. You have to bribe them. And so in church, we found ways of bribing people. Well, you know, if you'll just, if you'll just, if you'll just get potty, if you'll just get spiritually potty trained, look, you can be the head this or the head of that, or you can lead that. You know, is, and we see it as an incentive to help people do what we feel like they ought to do. But what happens is sometimes we potty train people that aren't ready to be potty trained. And then you have to you then you have to punish for bad behavior. Then you have to punish for messy diapers. And I remember getting in trouble for having a messy diaper. And so, and so when we had Madden, we decided that we didn't want to do that. But at the same time, I, I come from my mom, so I think like my mom. And so I'm like, isn't she old enough? Like, come on, like, <laughs> I'm tired of changing diapers, you know? Isn't she old enough to figure this out yet? And I remember Matt, uh, Roe told me something that was so profound. She said, she said, have you ever seen a college student in diapers? And I said, well, no. <laughs> given the, given that, they, that they don't have some kind of physical disability, I've never seen somebody in college in diapers. Why? Because it's a matter of maturity. Right. There comes a point at which you reach the end of this level. But you must reach the end of this level. In other words, you must work on behaviors, thoughts, and feelings you must change what you can change. You must grow where you can grow. You must live in this level long enough to bump up against those things that you cannot change. Before you have any desire to learn about the next level of change. Because by the way, as, as, if, if your environment stayed perfect, you would have never went to this level. You ne- would have never searched for what was, what was really behind all of this. And God knows that. So he's not, he's not judging you. He's not blaming you. He allows you to live in this level long enough to figure out something else is going on here. And then when you get to this level, he allows you to live in that level long enough to figure out something else is going on. There is a level of change that needs to happen inside of me that I cannot work on. Yeah. Hello. Hello. That I cannot... Have New Year's resolutions enough that I can't, there, there's a level, that there's, I keep trying to change this thought, right, this this, this this, thought, this reoccurring thought keeps coming to my mind over and over and over and over and over again, and I keep trying to get it out, and so I say, I'm not going to think about that, I'm just not going to think about that, but then, in times of weakness, I think about it and then when i'm sick physically and i'm and i'm weak spiritually i think about it then when the enemy gets me discouraged i dwell on it and, I, and and i and i can't push it out it keeps coming back or i have this feeling i have this i have this feeling right that i can't trust people i have this feeling that i can't trust and I, and, I, and I really don't know if people have my best interest at heart. Now, n- now, occasionally, as long as everybody's acting really well, then I start feeling like, okay, maybe maybe I can. But as soon as somebody does something, anything that's slightly different than what I expected them to do, all of a sudden, the feeling comes rushing back in. All of a sudden, this feeling that I've been trying to push out all my life, it comes rushing back in, and I just can't seem to get rid of it. I don't feel safe around them. I don't feel safe around people because I'm not. I just and, and I've tried to feel safe, but then they acted so slightly unsafe, and oh my goodness, now I don't feel safe. And, and it, whatever kind of feeling it, it, it may be, it, you, you, we all deal with different things from, 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 from pleasing people you know, I, I just I have this desire to make sure that people like me. And and, and and sometimes, you know, when things are going well, I feel like, OK, I think I'm, I think I'm past that. I think I don't have that anymore. And then something comes up in my life that rears its head and brings back that same feeling that I thought I had rejected and just forgotten and just pushed away. And it was gone. It was out of my life. Hallelujah. Thank God forever. I'm delivered. And then it comes back. You, you but you must live in that level long enough To realize that there are some things that your behavior cannot change, that your thinking cannot change, and that your feeling cannot change. You keep bumping up against the next level, which is the level of your capabilities. Your capabilities. And this is where, this is the first level that actually requires something more than just you. Because down here at the environment and behaviors, thoughts and feelings, honestly, uh, modern psychology can help with that because it is mostly you. It's mostly your thinking, it's your feelings, it's, your, it's you. It's just you have control over it, you can change this. But as you go higher in levels of change, as you start to realize that there are things lording over, ruling over this level that you have no control over. You start to figure out that that there is this level up here called capabilities. And what and what we mean by capabilities is uh, it's really um, part of your belief system. Yeah. It's but it's the belief system about the limitations of what God can do in your life, about the limitations of what change you are actually capable of. And You say, well, you know, God can do anything. Why would I put limitations on him? Why would I put limitations on that? Because it's actually quite helpful to have some limitations with regard to your freedom. Because when you reach that, then you are 100% free. Well, not technically, but as, as free as you can ever be. And there's something so gratifying about, about a behavior that affects an, ev- an environment and a, a, a self A congratulating moment where you say this is as free as I can possibly be but the downside is that these feelings keep coming these behaviors keep coming and so you have to do one of two things either you have to say well this is just me this is how I am going to live and then structure your theology around that (laughs) (laughs) structure your doctrine around your experience And just say, well, this is this how it goes. And I've and I've talked to people, and I've said, well, you really shouldn't like 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 the way you're talking to your spouse. This is not uh, biblical. This is just the way we've always been. It's how we've always handled things. Well, okay, and we're still together. Uh, Well, yeah, that's true, but but is it like is it a good together or is it a kind of not so great together? Like, do I want to be in that? Does it smell a little bit? Every once in a while, it gets a little stinky. Yeah, it kind of does. And so I'm just saying that it's the behavior that's causing that. But the problem is people have lived for years with that behavior, and they've come to certain conclusions that they cannot change that behavior. And even in times of great faith, even in times of 21 days of prayer and fasting, people are pressing in, stepping beyond the bounds, like, like, that's why I mean I'm so encouraged when people are like excited about freedom, because that means that this thing inside of you known as your capabilities has shifted. You're starting to believe maybe there's more. Maybe God can do more. And that's at a higher level of change. That's not just oh, I'm going to try better. Pastor Harry, 2019 is going to be all. No, it's something shifting inside of you. That's that's it's it's like a it's like a it's like a thermostat. That's what Bob calls it. Bob calls it a thermostat of your life. You have a thermostat in your home, and a thermostat sets a particular temperature, right? And the thermostat is the thing that affects the thing that affects the environment. So the thermostat, you set a particular temperature. Right now it's 69 at our house, um, and it's on heat. And so when it drops below 69, it goes down to 68, 67, 60. All of a sudden, the heat kicks on because we don't, we, we, we don't want to get that cold. And so the heat kicks on. It raises the level of the temperature in the home to what we have it set on. And I feel like we have a thermostat in our soul. We have a thermostat in our mind, a certain belief system of the level of freedom that we deserve to have, that we are capable of maintaining, that we ought to have, that we have a certain level, and, and, and whenever we push against that level, this friction starts happening, this, this, this boiling starts happening, this pressure starts happening, pushing us back to the level we believe that we ought to and will forever stay. And if you've ever tried to change your behaviors, your thoughts and your feelings, you, you've, you've run up against this. And it's, and it's so much bigger than your behaviors. It's so much bigger. It's, it's so much deeper than that. It has authority over it. It has control over it. And no matter how much, no matter, I mean, in our home right now, you could, you could open up the doors and open up all the windows, let all the cold air in. And immediately our heat would kick on because it doesn't matter what you change here. This thing is set on a particular level and it will fight to keep that level. And people will run from positive change in their life because something is going on at that level, telling them this is not good, this is not good, this is not good, you can't keep this up, you can't keep this up. There is a lie. What happens here is that oftentimes early in our lives, but sometimes later, at some point, we believed a lie of the enemy. If they're... Let me just put it this way. If there is a limiting factor to the power of God in your life, that thing is a lie. If there is a limit to the freedom that you can have through the blood of Jesus, that limit, that thing is a lie. It might be a statement in your head. It might be a feeling, it might be a belief system, and, and it could probably come from your experience or from what somebody told you or from what you saw in your parents. It's, it's coming from somewhere much deeper than the behaviors that you are able to identify in the environment that you're able to see. And by the way, these different levels are, are, are also levels of visibility. Environment, everybody can see. Behaviors and thoughts and feelings, you can see. But capabilities? that requires the revelation of the Holy Spirit. God has to speak to you about that, which is why much preaching doesn't happen there. Because I could preach about that, and you'd be like, huh? Because you can't do anything about it. You, we can't have an altar call saying, all right, come change your capabilities. No, this is what the Holy Spirit does in the heart. This is what God does. Now, now, now oftentimes, I'm preaching toward that, Right, like last week I preached about how, how, how we have come from the palace. We haven't come from the pig pen. What was I doing? I was talking about the capabilities that you have inside of you, regardless of what lies you've believed. But the truth is there are lies that you've believed. And even as I stir up your hope a little bit, and even as I, sometimes that's what happens, I think. I think sometimes that's why people come to church, because Pastor Harry can turn up the temperature just a little bit in their spiritual life. And it feels like, yeah, yeah. And a few days in, it's like, well, it kind of goes back down. Because that lie comes back in and says, really? Like that level? For real? You? Other people? Yeah. If you've ever had the sneaky suspicion that maybe this thing works for other people and not for you, you've believed a lie. If you've ever read in Scripture and said, man, yeah, That's that's not for me. You've believed a lie, and and I'm not saying that you're an awful person and terrible or anything like that. We've all believed lies about ourselves. We've all limited the work of God in our lives. One of the big big moments in your life is when you realize that this life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. There must be a shift from your faith in this lie of your particular capabilities to your faith in the unlimited supply of grace that God has for you. The unlimited power that God has for you. And that's not, faith is not a thought. It's not changing your, your, your cognitive uh, uh, uh Thought process. It is a belief which is deeper than a thought. It is a realization. It is an absolute certainty. You believe that you can breathe right now. You don't have to try to believe that. You know that you can. You believe that the sun will rise in the morning. You you believe uh, that when you walk outside, it's gonna be a completely different temperature than when you walked in because it's Texas. You believe these things. You believe these things because you feel it in your gut you know it to be true and i can't make you know anything the holy spirit can and so one of the first and biggest shifts for me actually there was two moments in my life when i was 14 october 2nd 1994 community bible fellowship i came down to the front a little makeshift altar And I had been working through these right here, behaviors, thoughts, and feelings. And I had been submitting these to the Lord. And I had been trying to change everything that I could change. And I had reached a level where there were things that I couldn't change. And so Pastor Rusty opened up the altar like we used to back in the day. And I knelt down and I was crying out to God to do something. I didn't call it this, but to do something beyond me to shift something inside of me, to cleanse me, to purify me. I use more biblical language, but I was asking him to do something beyond what I was capable of doing. And I remember the breakthrough moment happened for me when Pastor Rusty said, Harry, do you believe that the blood of Jesus is able to cleanse you from all sin? And it was my response to that that wasn't just a, well, yes, I believe. But there was a resounding, there was a congruent yes from here to here that said, yes, I believe in his capability. Yes, I believe in his power. Yes, I believe in his grace. And when I said that, I just felt this just warm waterfall just shower all over me. I began speaking in tongues. I was, it, was, it was amazing what happened well the old me died that day and I didn't have okay so uh, we're going to get into this next week but he said I was crucified with Christ he didn't say I was shot in the head with Christ because a shot in the head you can do yourself but to be crucified well you take one hand and get that nailed maybe you can get the foot but you can't get the second hand you cannot crucify yourself You must have help. The Holy Spirit must come in, reveal the lies that you believed about yourself, reveal the times that you agreed with the enemy over your life. The sin of unbelief, the sin, the arrogance of setting aside the grace of God and saying, no, it's okay, I got it. (laughs) And when he reveals that, And when you put your faith in his ability, it shifts something inside of you. And this change right here, then has authority over this change. And just like this change made this better, this change makes this better. Don't tell me you've shifted this when this is the same. That don't make sense. When you've shifted this though, this changes just naturally, just like potty training means I no longer have to change diapers. Not because my kids aren't putting out the same stuff they were putting out. They just learned where to put it out. They, they, they made a change that made all of those other changes unnecessary. The change of your capability is what makes all of this constant change unnecessary. You don't have to keep changing because a greater authority over your behavior has shifted. So I would just do that. That's that's my altar call today. Let's just ask.